0: Opinions expressed on ACB Radio are those of the respective program contributors and cannot be assumed to serve as endorsements of products or views of the American Council
1: of the Blind, its elected officials, or its staff.
0: The following program contains topics particular to the LGBTQ community. Some discussions may contain mature themes. As such, listener discretion is advised.
1: This is Pride Connection, sponsored by BlindLGBTPride.org, otherwise known as BPI, every Tuesday night at 10 p.m. on ACB Media 1 and shortly after on all your major podcast catchers.
0: Someday.
1: Welcome, welcome, welcome to Pride Connection, here every Tuesday night at 10 p.m. on ACB Media One. And you can find us wherever you listen to your podcast by searching Blind Pride International Pride Connection. I am one of your hosts, Anthony Corona. And as always, I am here with Gabriel
2: Lopez Cafati, who is our El Presidente. How you doing, Gabe? It's always a good time when we are United in Pride Connection. And we have a really important topic to talk about tonight.
1: We are going to discuss how what we heard about the LGBTQ plus community growing up affected our coming out, how we thought of the community, and what it was like when we finally assimilated ourselves into the community, as well as how it may have affected our self esteem growing up. Before we get to that incredible topic, Gabe, do you have a president's message first?
2: My only president's message today is the entire topic and the entire conversation with the amazing BTI family members that we have tonight with us is my message, because uh, this topic is very near and dear to my heart, uh, because obviously I grew up with the comments and ideas about the lgbtq community that uh uh, some of my family members had and 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 i grew up thinking that it was something to uh, be ashamed of and that obviously impacted my life and my coming to terms with who i am In in many ways i'm not gonna dwell on that anymore but it is part of who I am today, and it became part of my process and my struggles. It it resonates a lot in in my heart, and I welcome everyone to the conversation.
1: So we are lucky tonight to have a smattering of voices from Blind Pride International with us, and we're going to get to know them one by one in a few moments. I wanted to remind folks that this is membership season, so if you are A current member, a past member, if you have been listening to our podcast and you said to yourself, I really want to be a part of that group, it's time for you to go to Blind LGBT, and we'll be adding the queue at some point soon, blindlgbtpride.org, and hit the donate button and join us. We can use all the support because we're going to be starting scholarships this year. We're going to be reaching out to all kinds of local pride celebrations throughout the country to get the word out that we are still the only group that represents the intersectionality between the blended and low vision community and the LGBTQ+ plus community. Now that I have finished my soapbox, I will kick it under the bed and I wanted to open the conversation by telling you a moment from my very very distant past. I'm not going to tell you how many decades ago it was, but I was one of those nosy kids and my parents used to hold and host card games on Friday or Saturday nights at our house. And um, those of you who have listened to Pride Connection for a while know that my mother is one of 11. My father was one of 12. So there was always lots and lots of aunts and uncles around. And um, one of my uncles is part of the LGBTQ community. And he was somewhat estranged from the rest of the family. You know, I, I grew up in Staten Island, New York. Some of my family was in Brooklyn, some in Jersey, Long Island. But We were all in that that tri-state area, and um, we didn't hear much from Uncle Joe. And one night during a card game, my sister and I decided that we didn't want to go to bed early. We snuck to that part of the hallway where it turned, it made an L shape, where we could stay in the shadows and nobody would know that we were sitting there listening to the conversation and the conversation turned to Uncle Joe and words like the F word and not the UCK one, but the other one, the GOT word was used and, you know, abomination. I remember very, very clearly hearing the word abomination and other things. and, And at the time we were young enough that we didn't quite understand what everything meant that was being said. I literally took the phrase that he's gotten himself into trouble with little boys, meaning thinking, oh my God, pedophile, when what they really meant was he was older and but he liked younger men. But that really affected me back then. And when I started to understand inside myself who I was, because of that night and, and other conversations that had happened along the way, but definitely because of that night, I thought to myself, well, if I disclose this. If, if I become this, I'm going to lose this family. I mean, look at how they treat Uncle Joe. So that's my opening to this conversation. I'm going to ask our guests, our family, one by one to introduce themselves, let us know where they're from, and give us a little smattering of some of the things that they heard about the LGBTQ community growing up and how it affected them. And the last person is an ally, um, someone who is a very fierce, staunch, straight married ally. And we'd love to hear her perspective, too. But we're blessed with the double Cs tonight. We've got Chris and Chris. So audio description, Chris, you can go first.
0: Hello, everyone. I would like to start out by saying, because I think it's an important point, and I'm not, I'm not ashamed of it. So I may as well just say it. Uh, I am a Xenial. That is the generation between, that it, it's a, they call it a micro generation, between the Gen Xers and the millennial generation. 1976 to 1984 is the micro generation of Xeniel. And I think it's important to say that because I think that we have a wide age range here. And I I think the perceptions of the uh, LGBTQ community have altered between generations to some degree or another. So I want to start there. I grew up in Arizona and my family was not... Uh, evangelical Christian, but they certainly were Christian. And they, uh, you know, we all went to church. And uh, there was a time for me when I started to notice my sexuality. And I was a pretty early bloomer on that. I was about eight when I really started to notice things. And I started to realize that I reacted more to boys than to girls. And I told my very best friend, and he said, me too. But then he told me, because he was also Christian, he said, but my church, I heard my pastor say that boys who like other boys and girls who like other girls are going to hell and they'll burn. And I was floored by that. Because as a kid, you take that stuff more literally. And mm-hmm. it was it was shocking to think that If I got into a car accident and died or whatever, because I like other boys, I would burn. And it made it very difficult when I started exploring my sexuality with another boy. It actually turned out to be that very same best friend because we figured, I mean, we're already doomed, right? So let's go out together. Let's go. Exactly. Yes. And but but the problem was, is that every time we did anything, even the smallest of things, I, we, one of us would go into the bathroom and cry because we thought we were going to die and burn in a fire. And it was only exacerbated when I was, when I turned uh, 12 or so. I think it was earlier than that, actually, it was 11. They started putting us into a, an older Sunday school group and somebody did the whole itch Adam and Eve, not Adam and Steve crap. And the, when I turned 12, I, I, for my birthday, I asked for a Bible on tape and I went through the Bible and I read it cover to cover. And that's when that year was when I decided I would no longer be a Christian. And I told my parents, I didn't come out, <laughs> but I told them uh, that I I wasn't comfortable going to church anymore because uh, I didn't agree with the things in the Bible. Um, and it And it turned out <clears throat> that it took me a lot of time to not only figure out that I was actually gay and not bisexual because I did have reactions to girls, but my mental attraction was pretty much exclusively to boys. And... But that took that took many years. And of course, I'm a zinniel. which and then the reason I brought that up is you didn't come out in high school
2: oh,
1: not no. in Arizona. Yeah.
0: There was one boy, one boy who came out in high school and everyone ostracized him. I didn't even get to meet him because he, he ate lunch in his car rather than risk being with other people and and have them bully him. So I never found, I, I tried to go out and find him and meet him, but um, he was parked in the back of the, I found out later, he was parked in the back of the parking lot. And uh, it was just impossible. And I felt so bad. I found him later on Facebook and I said, I am so sorry. I tried. So we're going to put a pin in it right there because I want to come back to this and, and
1: explore the self-esteem part of it in the second half. Let's go to the other Chris. Chris, welcome. Tell us a little about yourself and your experiences.
3: Yeah. Thanks, Anthony. I am also a Zenial, I guess. Uh, thank you, Chris. i don't think I knew that term until just now. Growing up blind, I, and I don't have a lot, of, lot to say about my family because I, this was never a topic that came up for or against in my family, though I could kind of guess how they feel about it now. I, um, but, but, you know, it's still not, not ever discussed. But growing up blind was really difficult because, um, I was bullied a lot for that. And I was also bullied for, you know, not being particularly athletic or good at sports and stuff. And of course, you know, what do kids say to a, a boy like that? They, they say, well, you must be gay. And I kind of sort of knew what gay meant when I was young and I knew more about it as I got a little bit older and I uh, was pretty sure that I wasn't gay. I liked girls and I, um, um, I'm sorry, this is the first time I've talked about this publicly. So, you know, some of this might be a little difficult, but uh, when I first felt any kind of attraction to a, a male friend was when I was probably 13 or 14. And it was the scariest thing ever because I couldn't figure out, Like I, I didn't know that there was such a thing as bisexuality or pansexuality all I thought was, oh my God, is this, does this mean I'm gay? And, and does that mean that I just have one other thing? Like, were they right this whole time? You know, you, you knew when they were telling you when they were bullying you for being blind, you knew that that was, that must've been right. Cause yeah, I sure am blind. There's no denying that, but at least I kind of thought for a while, I'm not gay. They're wrong about that. So I can let that roll off. Well, when that happened, then you know, then that really freaked me out, but that happened fairly rarely, uh, and was really scary when it did. And I still liked girls and I continued to date girls. And whenever an attraction to a male happened, it, you know, just, I would kind of go into a panic about it and, uh, and suppress it. And, uh, when I graduated high school, I, Uh, rented a room from a friend who was gay. And he had a lot of gay friends, uh, gay men, and a lot of good people that I I got to know. And there were a couple of guys that hung around in that group that they said were bisexual. And that was the first time I had ever heard of that as, as an option. But among the gay men. They poshed it a little bit. They did. Uh, among yeah. the gay men, they they said, oh, he, you know, that guy's confused. And at the time, I still thought I was straight. And so I had gay men argue with me and tell me, you're not straight. You must be gay. And that didn't feel good either. So, you know, it, it took a long, long time and uh, some not so happy experiences to be able to even admit to myself that, and I didn't quite know the words because, you know, bisexual was about what I knew. And um, I really didn't know if I was pansexual because I don't think I had ever met anyone uh, that was non-binary or or expressed their gender identity in any different way. So I didn't know what the words were, but I knew that there was something. And, uh, you know, I'm at the point in my life right now where um, I'm, I'm really starting to work up the courage to be able to talk about this. And, uh, this is such a great topic because my daughter came to us earlier this week and she said, there's a boy at school that has a crush on me and he's by, and he also has a crush on a, on a boy. And it was just a matter of fact, you know, this is go- this not, not a bad thing, just a normal thing, um, that is happening to her at school. And it made me feel so good that maybe there's hope that kids aren't experiencing the kinds of things that I experienced maybe.
1: So we're going to put a pin in it right there. And and I think that that illustrates Chris's opening up to the, the middle ground of generations that we find ourselves, those, you know, those of us that are all identifying at this age right now, it, it definitely highlights the difference. I remember when I was in high school, there you could never have been a prom queen and queen or a prom king and king. And I told this story on Pride Connection before, but 10 years to my graduation, there was two prom queens. Um, And they were a lesbian couple and it was celebrated and it was phenomenal. So I I definitely think that depending on which generation you identify with, there is some differences in what experiences we're going to experience. So moving from our generation, I'm going to welcome back to Pride Connection from our last episode, Destiny. And we touched a little on this subject and that's why we're having this conversation now We touched on it a little in our previous episode. Please go check it out if you haven't heard it. Destiny, welcome. Tell us a little bit about your experience.
4: So I am, I'm Destiny. I'm 30. I was born in 91. I don't know if that's considered millennial or what that's considered. I'm not really familiar. That's a millennial. I'm 30. I'm, I'm ace, asexual, um, and demi pan romantic, which means I have romantic attractions to people regardless of gender, and it takes a while. I have to have an emotional connection first. Growing up, I didn't hear LGBT stuff mentioned. Once in a blue moon, um, I might have overheard someone being called gay. I know um, some of my closest family members, one of them I lived with, was always called gay or DF word. And, you know, I never really saw it. And then, like, people, because of how close my friendship was with a past friend of mine, she and I were only friends. But I think now looking back on it, the people thought we were romantically involved. And maybe I did have, like, explaining my, like, them seeing my excitement. Like, I'm always so much more excited to see her than a lot of other people I didn't have many other friends too but that was considered like uh, like they was like oh are you carpet like uh, are you uh doing getting scissored or (laughs) just any of that they would ask me questions like that thinking I was a lesbian and I'm like no I mean I like boys too but then growing up Christian I relate it was a lot of purity culture my granny didn't like she raised me Catholic but um, even though it was my parents who raised me, but she's the one who took me to church. She wasn't as involved in purity culture, but you would still hear the stuff, you know, from others in the area, you know, abstinence until marriage. And I went to the Maryland school for the blinds as well. And that was pretty insular. Like they, they didn't really have like anything about LGBT. I don't know I um, if they did at the public high school I would go to as well for some of my classes, but I didn't know about it because my main school was uh, the Maryland School Blind, and they didn't really have any education or info or resources about that. Um, so there was that aspect of it. And I I remember dating and be like, oh, I'm just waiting until marriage. But then I'm thinking to myself as I'm going through this how do I know when I'm ready to get married? I don't even want to have sex with you at all. And then it took me, someone else, me mentioning it to someone else and then online, and they mentioned asexuality. And that started my journey with that. And gender, gender wasn't discussed in a positive way either. It was assumed, like, if people who were transgender would, would be mentioned, or even people who prostrate, people used to call like, like, even in my own um, close family would call people he she's and stuff like that like it was more negative and even I later found out my own grandmother and I'm really close to my grandmother but it's sa- it saddens me but she even has uh, transphobic beliefs and I'm not I'm non-binary so like I don't know if that's considered trans or not some people say it is some people say it isn't I'm not really doing much to transition or to, like change anything really but, you know, I think about these things and how I was sheltered a lot, and maybe I would, but at the same time, I was, I did hear things. It just was more implicated. And then because I wasn't like going to every little event at the church, I didn't have the full brunt of the anti LGBT sentiment. But as soon as I wasn't able to go to church with my granny as often, and I started trying to look for other faith based podcasts and other th- you know bible groups and stuff i started hearing that kind of stuff and i i still have an attachment to my faith thankfully i've had um found a lgbt affirming faith group um mm. that's like with re- really re- so important religion, also lgbt yeah. um for anyone who's curious there's uh if you grew up catholic and um, still partially want to hold on to it. it there's new ways ministry and dignity USA they don't tell people LGBT people that they have to remain celibate or have to change they're very affirming yeah. um, it, it is possible and they refute a lot of the ways that the Bible are used that
1: are that's a great place for us to put the pen in it also because there is a faith-based question coming up when we get into the round table portion of tonight, Destiny, thank you. I want to bring to the stage right now, Melody. Melody, um, tell us a little bit about where you are now and what experiences, you know, what experiences you experienced growing up hearing about the LGBTQ community.
5: I am from Columbus, Ohio. I'm 36. So I would be right at the beginning of that millennial stage, 85. Growing up and still today, I live in a pretty strict Catholic homophobic family. My mom is not practicing. My dad just doesn't have a belief, but everyone on either side is, you know. And I was told when I was little, and I'm sorry to say I believe this and fed into it, that gay men were pedophiles, that women who were lesbian were going to come after me and try to hurt me And in general. And I was even told to be careful by my mom, who I, thinks, I think takes back now what she said. She's kind of an semi-voluntary ally and has kind of become more opened over the years and doesn't care. It's just everyone else. She's very compliant and goes along with what the family's doing and is not an independent thinker. I literally thought that I was going to go to the fiery furnace underground where bugs were going to crawl on me and fire was going to burn me. And it's one of my psychotic reality breaks that I'll frequently experience You see why. And at the same time, I was Trying to like little boys and even older men. When I was having feelings since I was three or four for older women, my first was a locally known musician and singer who's been a friend of ours since my father went to school with her as a teenager. And I didn't know what it meant. I've thought of older women like goddesses. They're my forte. And I've now become the fiercely independent older woman and still kind of am where I am now. And I'll have 20, 21 year olds say, Oh my gosh, I, I want you. You know, so.
1: Girl, you're a prime woman, not an old woman.
5: Well, yeah, I'm supposed to be in my prime now. I'm starting to experience, you know, (laughs) premature what. I had an aunt who took me out to lunch one day, and it it seems that her whole motivation was to tell me, it's silly that you want to be around women. You need to read the Bible more. You carry demons. And what you're doing is for attention. You didn't need all the treatments you've had, and you're not really gay. And you just need to go to church, because I was asking about a friendly church that would accept anyone. And I had a hard time meeting at Bob Evans that day. (laughs) So I just, and another aunt on the flip side surprised me. I thought she would have disowned me and she had suspected for years. And I had spoken up some of the early traumas and abuses I experienced. And she said, I'm so sorry. I said, I was afraid to tell you. She said, "I, I wouldn't disown you if it was the last thing I would do. So to have that unexpected support. And she said, I don't understand, but I, and I don't necessarily agree. I said, you don't have to, as long as you don't give me a hard time, judge me or support me you know it, it, it's and then I, I appreciate your your concern for me and that's all you have to do and if you want to ask questions feel free to time so to kind of get that close to her as an adult and to have known her as a, a child you know it felt wonderful and now it's to have found ACB in the unexpected way I did to have come out with the First, best man to ever make me feel safe. We thought we were the it couple. And, you know, to have found ACB and BPI through him and to have known what it was since B Flag in 2004, I'd wanted it. I'd listened to Out FM on WBAI, Peace and Justice Radio, when I had first entered the mental health system, even before Hurricane Katrina. And it, at that time, it was so confusing. And now just to find acceptance through ACB via. BPI and just to figure out how many people are open and to still, I'm still curious about who is living in silence with, you know, this intersectionality and now to have a multitude of piling up additional disabilities conditions happening it's how many people are are out there you know and it's just the curiosity and the the need to help and the need to love them
1: and that is exactly why we have conversations like this both in the community and here on pride connection so we're going to put the pin right there we're going to come back to you melody because she touched on on a bunch of stuff that i think we all need to round robin about i have a feeling that this is going to go into episode two we're not going to be able to talk about everything we need and want to talk about tonight Let's hear from an ally. Let's hear from someone who came to us because they love us, because they want to stand beside us. They want to stand behind us. And in those rare moments when we need someone strong, who's willing to step in front of us. Vita, tell us a little bit about what you grew up hearing about the LGBTQ community and what brought you to BPI.
6: I am a proud baby boomer.
2: You
1: go girl.
6: (laughs) I grew up in Brooklyn, New York, you go, uh, girl, all <laughs> right, in a very Italian family. And, you know, we hung outside on the stoop yep, and, we did. Uh, and, uh, you know, if you fooled around and you were mean or you were playing in the street and you weren't supposed to, your neighbor would tell your mama and you were in trouble.
1: And grandma so, would come out with that wooden spoon and knock my, some heads,
6: right? Yeah, grandma was still in Italy. But anyway, I didn't even hear the word gay, I don't think, until probably in high school. Um, and I went to, um, a pu- I went through public school, all public school. And when I went to elementary school, my elementary school was mostly Black, African American. My middle school, was, I would say, 50-50 so of white and African-American and other cultures. Uh, and then high school was, I would say, more white. And one day at work, I think I was 20 years old, a friend came into my office, sat down. He said, I have something to tell you. Really quiet, very low. And then he he, he beats around a little bit. Well, you know, I and well and he said well i'm i'm gay do you know what that means and and by then i said oh yeah and i said and, and he said well i'm gay and i said okay and we moved on Work, mama i was yes it. because <laughs> to me i had grown up with um in different you know, going to schools with people from all different cultures and, and different backgrounds. Um, I was, my family was very poor uh, when I was young. And, you know, my parents worked really hard to, to, to get us where we needed to go. So, you know, who was I to judge anyone else? And, you know, how hypocritical would it be of me as a blind person who went through my share of bullying, you know, being bullied and uh, being left out of things in school, uh, being segregated? You know, it made no sense to me. Well, I mean, we're all here together, bottom line. And that's it. That was it in my head. Uh, and since then, I had uh, several roommates who were gay and people telling me, oh, you're going to get AIDS if you sit on the toilet, uh, if you you know, share a bathroom oh, wow. with them, all this nonsense people used to say to me. And I would say, get educated, read, learn something about it. And even my family, I, you know, um, I would say my younger brother. Was you know really he he was more supportive. That's sort of where I was, and I and I walked around. I was always always holding hands with. I didn't care if you were a woman, a man, black, green, yellow. You were my friend. That's all I cared about. Um, so I've known about BPI for a while, but I got really involved when I went to the um, fall social in Colorado. And we had such an incredible time. <laughs> yeah, and I said, did. these people are my folks, man. We're, we're in it together. <laughs> um, and there, yeah. there won't be a time where I wouldn't speak up. That's just, and we should speak up for each other, having nothing, not just the LGBTQ community, but in general, we should speak up for each other when you can help out. So that's my difference
1: i 'm going to break protocol and actually ask you a direct question your friend who who scurried into your office in that way and and I think those of all of us in the community can remember those moments where we were coming out piecemeal to folks and and we'd never you know it took a bunch of conversations to understand that we 'd be okay if the rejection came or if the harshness came, but those conversations are so hard when we love someone. And we're just hoping that they're going to love us for the person that we are, rather than who we want to be involved with in, in a romantic way. But I'm curious to know if that person had been a high school friend and pulled you aside in the homeroom and said, you know, while we've got these five minutes, I, and they stumbled and they, they beat around the bush a little bit, and then they finally said, I'm gay. Would you have had the same reaction as a freshman in high school as you did? out in the world, in the working environment?
6: Yes, I think so. I do, but of course, we really don't know. But I think I would have because I have always been very open. I would have my Black friends over to the house when I was younger, and the neighbors would talk about me and and trash me to my parents, and, and I never cared. So I suspect it would not have bothered me But, you know, that's just hindsight, right? We don't know.
1: Well, I am so glad you are part of our our family, part of our board. Um, I had a conversation a couple of months ago with someone and it wasn't the greatest of conversations. It was in the vein of why do you have to lead with LGBTQ? I, I, I don't walk up to folks and introduce myself and say, Hey, my name is Anthony. By the way, did you know I like guys? I really like, like, I don't think that I lead with that. But I don't hide it for any way, any shape or any form. And in the course of that conversation, it it got around to suicides and transgender, et cetera, et cetera. And the person said, well, I I don't really understand. Why would anyone kill themselves over being gay in in this day and age? I mean, you have will and grace. I'm paraphrasing, but I'm, I'm, I'm giving you the heart of it. You have will and grace, and you there's all this representation, and I mean, you can get married now, so why would anyone kill themselves for being gay and I, I oh. want to throw that out to the panel because I think that that is a sentiment that's out there, or at least a version of the sentiment that's out there for a lot of folks. so jump in whoever feels like they can respond and want to respond. why would anyone kill themselves in this day and age because they're gay
3: look you can it's it's really easy to get into your own head. And the messaging even today is uh, that gay is different somehow. And, and even just being different is a really, really hard thing to come to terms with. And if you got any other things layered on top of that, like mental health, like being blind, like having other disabilities, maybe being short, maybe being uh, overweight or really underweight, not fitting in it can make you feel incredibly isolated and unwanted and it's very difficult to describe how you can get to start to thinking that the world would be better off without you in it and i get sort of why people would say something like like in this day and age why why would people why would people feel that way and stuff it's hard to get over what you grew up with and you know i think we also need to remember that um, this day and age isn't perfect. We haven't solved all the world's problems. We haven't even hey, come close to solving all the world's problems.
0: No, indeed. And there are religious groups out there who still, even though uh, they have been instructed not to do so, they still throw their kids out of their homes that they've lived in when, they find, when the parents find out that they're gay. There are still parents out there who will reject their children And that is one of the most painful things that can happen. You know, when you're faced with the people that have purportedly and seemingly loved you your entire life, all of a sudden it's like a switch gets flipped. Oh, you're gay or you're a lesbian or whatever. I'll get out of my house and never come back. And you can't take your stuff too bad for you. Like all of a sudden for some parents, it is that harsh and that rough. And so When kids are faced with parents who are often very strict or very religious or very uh, right wing or whatever it happens to be, whatever they're, or they have a bad temper, it doesn't even have to be political or anything, just like you don't know how they're going to react to you coming out. And for some people, that fear of the reaction, the fear of the exile and the shunning and the dismissal by the people you love the most in the world, uh, for some people, that's enough to drive them to it. And, and it can be, that can be a terrible feeling.
3: And you didn't totally. even touch on conversion therapy.
0: Oh, don't no. Me we'll save that. that for another topic. Absolutely.
1: <laughs> you know, I, I, another conversation that I had, and this is years ago, I actually still had sight in it, but it was with some friends of mine that we were, you know, we all play baseball. It's a very structured environment in a lot of ways and so I ended up having this kind of conversation, not about killing oneself, but, but about acceptance, et cetera, et cetera. And I said, imagine if your parents turned around and said to you, well, ball playing is against our religion. It's against who we are. And you, you if you can't stop playing ball, if you can't stop the need to be the athlete that you are then you don't have a place in our family. You don't have a place in our church. You need to pack your C-R-A-P and get the H-E-L-L-L. No, it's not like that. No, 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 no. That's exactly what it's like. I don't have control over who I want to love. I don't have control over who I'm attracted to. And so I don't have the control to say, I don't want to allow myself to understand these things. So my choice would be, push it down and pretend like it doesn't exist and play football instead of baseball or live my baseball truth and give up everything that I've known for the first 13, 14, 15, 17, 19, 20 years
0: and beyond of my life. Anybody else have any comments? I just wanted to just before we close that idea, I I want to uh, amplify what you just said by saying, think of the celebrities who came out in their 70s and 80s and in one case um, their 90s because yep. Yep. because they were so, so afraid and they had been told all their lives how horrible it was and that they had to keep it keep it to themselves. And think of the celebrities who, who ended their lives because of that. Um, yeah.
4: Even those who don't have, maybe their family hasn't said, I'll disown you if I found out you're gay. But you hear the homophobia all around you yeah. from family, yeah. from church, even if you don't know what the response is going to be, whether it's good or maybe they just haven't been talked about at all. So you don't know where they stand. So having that out there, it, it can feel isolating and really alone. I had this in other identity areas, too, and other growth areas. I felt like I was three falling. I had no anchor. Yeah, there there was some representation in media, but I didn't know about many of them. And then sometimes those representations aren't available, especially if you're in a conservative place or you grew up blind and it wasn't talked about or any of these things, you know. So if you don't know what you don't know, how are you to... And then representation is great. It's needed. There's more identities that need to be represented positively. But we also need to have more... Mentorship, more openness, especially at schools. I was just thinking about this last night. How, like, I would love to reach out to my old school and ask, "What do you do to foster LGBT acceptance? What do you do to talk about race in a good way?" Because even at, at a school like they, they did Black History Month, but they wouldn't really talk about the reasons. Like, they, it was all the North is all, you know, got rid of slavery third just all you know, because they were against it when it was more money. Like there's certain things that weren't taught. And just with LGBT stuff and education about sex and sexuality, it's needed. There needs to be more resources out there so that kids, you know, teens can find out and maybe find community. To
5: live with the daily awareness that I could not come hand in hand with my partner, with my arm around her, if I could ever get to that point again, and visit my family. To know that I stand about four, 10 and a quarter, and I've had so many different mental health treatments that don't seem to be applicable to my situation that have hardened me and not always have been handled constructively in care facilities, and to continue to face the ridicule and jokes that my own conservative family, including one that I live with, will hit me with from time to time. I'm not going to mess around. I've had 10 to 12 attempts since 2005. And they have had permanent negative effects. And it's to now not have a care team, be in chronic pain and deal with a heart condition and, you know, all of these things and with back to back infections affecting me and my blood pressure skyrocketing. I would rather suffer in silence and pass and have to deal with a broken system and a society who sees us as broken or defective because we are not. We have value and we don't need to be fixed than to continue to face what I seem to have to face and not be able to find an advocacy group that can help me. So suicide over having to face what we have to live with as LGBTQ birthright citizens of the U.S. or legal citizens of this country that we're supposedly living the dream now and to have been left in the dust by the response to this pandemic. Why wouldn't we? I mean.
1: Let's all let's have a moment, Melody. That's 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 raw. That's that's very honest. And thank you for being vulnerable enough and trusting us enough to share this here and remember, this is going out to all of our listeners. Thank you for sharing that. Let's transition for a moment. And I'm, I I don't want to discount what you just said, but let's let folks think about that. And and hopefully in part two of this conversation, we'll come back to some of that. Some of you and myself, full disclosure, I was born into a very, very Catholic Italian family. I personally know after lots of research and experience have found that I personally love Episcopalian for magistry and the pageantry that I love about the Catholic religion without the judgment and harshness that goes along with it. But for those of us that have expressed how our faith has given us some mixed messages or some messages that made us believe that we weren't the members that that were worthy of being part of that. I'd like to transition in, into that for a few moments. And anyone who has a comment about that, please step up and, and please share.
2: I will have to jump right in there because I am, and I have to say, I, I've been just so enthralled in everyone's conversation. And uh, it, it has been so powerful. Every, everyone's message has been so powerful. And again, I also concur with Anthony Melody. It was so. It was. It was just such a moment in which we held space for you, and just th- in that same way, we hold space for anyone else who comes to us with vulnerability. To answer Anthony's question, what I am going to say: growing up Catholic and having to deal with the guilt of, you know, the, the judgment, and and. Dealing with uh, the Catholic community, telling me, "No, you can come to our church as long as you know you don't say who and what you are." And I was like, "Well, that's a contradiction." So you're telling me that I'm welcome as long as I lie, or as long as I'm a hypocrite. And then when I start, when they start trying to make things better for us, quote unquote, uh, by saying, "Oh no." you know, we welcome the LGBTQ community because we love the sinner. We hate the sin, uh, which is oh something my God, that- God, I hate that. Yes. Of course. Yeah, because by, by default, you're telling me, oh, you're a sinner, but our heart is so good that we love you still, even though you're a sinner, but we don't love the sins that you commit. Uh, that is so condescending and that is so judgmental and it 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 it's not a way it, it, you know it it is a lie they're not trying to make it better for the lgbtq community they're just trying to make themselves look benevolent and obviously not lose the numbers uh because the catholic church and I, it, it hurts me because i i was raised catholic and I, and i i do believe in the Catholic faith or the doctrine, but I do not believe in the man-made rules of the Catholic Church. And and, and I just wish that all those religions, not only Catholic, but evangelicals, all those uh, what they called the conversion centers uh, that were set up here in the United States by many, many evangelical churches. I wish they knew, and if they don't know, Or if they do know, I wish they would own the responsibility over how many deaths, suicides, happen because of them. These people are murderers. Okay. That deserves a
1: moment where we all say yes.
0: Yes, indeed.
1: Yes. Beyond murderers, (laughs) how much damage how much damage is done to people that they, that they cannot dig themselves out of what is done to them because of the churches and the centers like these. And I'm not down on religion. I found Episcopalianism and I believe, and and I'm not telling anyone where to go, but I believe that the the faith center that, that I have decided to worship in loves me for who I am, loves me, my dog, my partner. I can hold hands and, and put my arms around my partner at the end when we're all supposed to love one another and, and pass those blessings to each other and they love him and they love me just as much yes. because we're giving our blessings to each other as giving it to, you know, the other
2: congregants within me. So yes,
1: yes, and yes. Before, thank you for saying that. I-
2: Thank you. Before I be quiet and and let uh, every everyone in in this amazing panel express themselves, I just want to say that I'm a person. I'm 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 a believer. I to me, faith is very important. And you know, thank God that I'm that I did not commit suicide and that I'm still on this earth. But family there, out there, just lot- so you know, he prays for ten minutes every
1: morning. He's about <laughs> his name.
2: <day>, but go on. <laughs> <laughs> Every, but but the damage is not only losing your life, your your physical existence over over the judgmental beliefs of a religion. You know that I I have damage. I have suffered damage, and that's why, like Anthony said, we have decided to embrace the Episcopalian faith because I cannot I cannot devise or or just understand existence without faith and existence without community. And, and I enjoy, I thrive, I love a community of people who have a common faith, but I'm not going to be a liar and I'm not going to be a hypocrite and I'm not going to go into a church pretending that I'm something else.
0: All of that is very powerful. And um, and for those who, who are seeking, who may be LGBT and are seeking a uh, different faith, I'll tell you that I I personally, when I left the Christian faith uh, when I was 12, it took me something like 15 years before, uh, and and a lot of research and reading and and learning and all of that before I came back around to finding my personal faith, and it is a very personal faith, and it's not a um a doctrinal or dogmatic faith. It's it's something that I have in in me, and it brings me comfort. Which I believe is the principal reason for having any faith is that it brings you peace, it brings you comfort. Um, yes. but that that being said, don't don't believe the hype that if you if you're gay you can't be Christian or if you're gay you can't be Jewish or whatever it is. You can't you can. Because there are welcoming congregations and welcoming faiths all throughout the world, uh, Unitarian Universalism is a wonderful place. I I spent a good deal of time there and and loved it dearly. Um, there are some Buddhist sects. There are plenty of of Jewish sects, Reform and and uh, and others. Um, the United Church of Christ, if you want to go back to the full Christian um, faith, um, there there are a lot of good places to go, if you need that spiritual element in your life, and your old faith would reject you or has rejected you. So that's, that's what I would say about that.
1: So I'm going to ask one more innocuous, not innocuous, I'm going to ask one more, um, much lighter question to close out tonight. And I'm going to ask that The members of this panel tonight come back in two weeks and continue this conversation because there's no way we could get this all done in one hour so the question i'm going to ask to all the panelists and we'll start with gabriel and and go all the way down or through the panelists that are on tonight if you could put one thing as doctrine into the world that would never be challenged if you could just make one belief be universal throughout the world What would your one belief based upon your LGBTQ experiences be?
2: My thought is love everyone and and don't have any judgments. And just because you believe and think something, don't believe and think that's absolute truth. Be open and ask, ask just, you know, as we, as blind people, we like for sighted community to ask, us how to help us how to better assist us what do we need what do we feel what do we think how do we operate same thing with people who are different people who are different in in terms of uh, gender identity or sexual orientation ask us how do you feel about this why do you i don't mind questions we don't mind questions as long as they're respectful and they come from a place of not only education and open-mindedness, but also a place of love. Amen to that.
1: Amen a, 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 to that. Penny Forward, Chris. And if you have never checked out the Penny Forward podcast, please look it up wherever you listen to your podcast. Chris, go ahead.
3: I think it's incredibly important for people to know that everyone should fit in somewhere. And I think that it's also important for everyone to know who feels like they don't fit in, which is kind of where I have been at for most of my life. There is a place where you fit. I wish that it was as easy for everyone to find the place where they fit as it is for for some people. For some of us, it's really hard, but finding it is worth the journey.
0: Beautiful. Chris, point 2.0. If I had to choose a doctrine that would be adopted worldwide without question, it would be, we are one. When one of us hurts.
1: All of us hurt.
2: Wow.
0: And when we love, all we of all us are hurt. loved.
2: Wow. That's beautiful. Um,
1: Destiny.
4: It is not a sin or wrong in some way, unless it is done out of without having reciprocalness, you know, like mutual care for one another and love. Yeah. If it's just something, you know, like you're you're not living a sin. You're still in love and care for, for the one you're with, even if it's just a short amount of time. You know, it's it's done with complete consent mutuality and reciprocation and love at least to the point you might not reciprocate the exact same thing but you do things for each other you care for each other you love each other or even if you love more than one it's fine we need to learn that there are differences in how love is shown and how life is experienced in general
1: melody
5: we are not broken. We do not need to be fixed. Everyone is worthy of and capable of giving and receiving love. And we are not property. We are not owned. Therefore, we shall not be disowned.
6: Thank you. Lina? I think it would be don't hurt, help. So rather than walk in someone else's shoes, put your feet in the same shoes and walk with them with respect. Beautiful.
1: So for me, I'm going to say this, and it's not in any specific terms. So you don't have to love me. You don't have to understand me. You don't have to get the gravitas of my choices or the gravitas of the life that I have to live because it is who I was born to be. You don't have to politically identify with the ideals that I hold up, but respect me. I'm a human, just like you. I respect your views. I don't, some of them I don't like. Some of them I don't want to see adopted in a mainstream way, but I respect you for who you are. Just respect me back. And if you don't understand or you don't agree, that's fine but don't use it as a weapon to hurt me. If you want to intellectually try to engage me in conversation, I'm all for it. I'll intellectually conversate with you on any topic. Don't use what you deem as something different from what you're used to to hurt or try to destroy me. Because the only way we're going to make this planet, we're going to make this civilization, we're going to make this life that we're all living together actually flourish and continue to go is if we respect each other. We don't have to understand each other's differences. We don't even have to agree with them, but we have to respect them. So I'm going to open up one more. If anybody has a final thought, please say right now.
4: This has okay. been an amazing conversation.
2: I, I hope that you will all join us for part two of this I, conversation. I was, I was going to say that was my <laughs> that was my only thought The only way I can convey everything that I want to say and everything that I know everyone here on this show has to say is by saying part two. Absolutely. On
1: that note, we'll be back in two weeks. And please, if you were affected by tonight's conversation, please send us an email at membership, straight word, membership, at blind lgbtpride.org. That's membership at blindlgbtpride.org. We'll be back in two weeks with the continuation of this conversation. You've been listening to Pride Connection, sponsored by Blind Pride International, a special interest affiliate of the American Council of the Blind. Please check us out at blindlgbtpride.org.